right, hello, welcome to the 20 Minutes of Filler podcast. I am your host, Jason Katarski, and today I have with me a special guest, uh, a friend of mine, the uh, the head of that, which is the empire, the multimedia empire of <laughs> Day Dice Hate Me, uh, Mr. Chris Kirkman. How you doing, Chris? <laughs> Good, Jason. Thanks for having me on, man. Hey, thank you for coming on. First of all, um, a little disclaimer for our listeners. Um, Chris and I have a bit of a special relationship. <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> um, and that is that Chris publishes uh, my uh, game, The Great Heartland Holland Company. So, um, But that doesn't take away from the fact that if uh, I, I think this, I believe this in my heart. So, um, you know, you can decide you agree with me or not. But <laughs> I would love all the stuff that Dice, Dice Hate Me is doing the same as if, as if whether or not uh, Chris was writing me checks because there's an aesthetic, there's a uh, kind of a entry level of, of gaming that really appeals to me. So I'm just glad to kind of, um, you know, have my friend on the show here and to chat about kind of what he's up to because it really resonates with me and not just because, you know, he puts out my sweet, super sweet game that will be back <laughs> in print this spring if you want to check that out. Yes, we'll have it uh, hopefully by April if we keep April. our fingers crossed. I'm into that. Yes. So, um, so Dice Hate Me Games is uh, kind of your baby, and and you had a super busy year last year. So why don't you just tell me about what you were up to last year? Well, last year was interesting because we ramped up. I mean, typically starting all the way back in 2011 with Carnival, the first Kickstarter. Um, you know, the the following year we just did two. We did Viva Java and of course the Great Heartland Holland Company. Well, last year I ramped it up and uh, decided to do. Four, and uh, three of them back to back to back, which was crazy. So in in January we had compounded, which did really really well, and then uh, in the summer we ran Viva Java Dice, uh, then we did Bell the Ball, and then we went with Brew Crafters, um, the uh, micro uh, brew, huge Euro game, and I separated those Kickstarters by just two months, and um, I thought it would be a good idea at the time. Um, <laughs> And uh, the the thing that I've learned, and of course, publishing and especially going through the self-publishing route and going through Kickstarter, it's all a learning process. I mean, I do as much research up front as I possibly can, but at the same time, you just never know until you do it. And um, doing Kickstarters that close together was cool because it kept momentum going, but at the same time, since I handle most of the graphic design and uh, pre-press work, um, it's really uh, equaled into me logistically having to get a lot of things done during the holidays, which isn't exactly ideal. So it's put a little <laughs> bit of the production behind what I would like. Uh, still, we're not going to, de- we're not going to deliver too late on any of these, but at the same time, it's like, you know, the logistics of it is just, I'm just one guy. So yeah. Yeah. And doing it all in those games. Um, when you look at all the, all the art assets, all the bits and pieces, I mean, those, none of those games uh, from last year were, were a small task. They, they all were pretty intricate and, and the work that you had to do to get those ready to go. Yeah, yeah. And I was lucky in that the middle game, Bell of the Ball, um, you know, I had Jackie Davis doing all the art for it, and she was just fantastic to work with. Um, you know, Daniel Solis is doing the bulk of the graphic design, so I could hand most of that off and still just kind of do directional work with that while I was doing all the design for Viva Java Dice and Brew Crafters. Um, so that's been that's been good. Yeah, that's really cool. Like, so pro tip is uh, only sign uh, graphic designers <laughs> who design board games, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it's good. It's good to put into your mix every now and then someone you know you could just hand the game off to or get something, you know, and that kind of comes up to 
the whole rabbit project, which was an interesting mix as well, but we can talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so, so we are using this show. Uh, it, it's something that I wanted to do to focus on filler games. And we talked a little bit last episode about you know how people don't always like that that term, but the idea is that, that little games that uh, kind of fill a lot of different gaps, uh, easy to get into, easy to teach. Um, and, and I know that you have a project coming up that, that has, uh, some of this going on. So, so this is the, this new rabbit line that you're launching. You guys use, um, is it the Chinese Zodiac? Is Ch- that we- Chinese Zodiac, yes. Yeah, it, which, which each symbol determines a different kind of size of the game from dragon being your big meaty games all the way down to now the rabbit, your, your small box game. So, right. So this kind of um, the way that you're launching this, it, it it was kind of in tandem with this dice hate me 54 card challenge. So can you tell me a little bit about how that idea came about? Sure. Um, it, I don't remember the exact genesis of it, except that I was sitting around one night and had ordered. Uh, I think it was shortly after I ordered the prototype decks for Bell of the Ball, and I I do most of my prototype ordering through. Um, and I hope I'm not giving away too many secrets here, but now <laughs> Printer Studio, PrinterStudio.com uh, has probably one of the. They have great turnaround. They have great color production qualities, and they have a 310 GSM. Which, if people don't know what that is, it's it's the weight of the card stock that it's printed on, which is a really good weight. Um, not only is it a good 310 GSM weight, it's also very flexible, so it shuffles easy, and it's linen finish, which, of course, has that nice texture to it. Um, so I do all of my prototyping uh, decks through them. Uh, they're great to work with. It's easy to upload the files, and I can depend on most of the color production coming out really well. Well, I got the idea of, like, you know, I've always had, the rabbits have always been part of the line, uh, the very first rabbit, matter of fact, was Pulsar, which is available on the Game Crafter. Um, we had always intended to go back and revisit the rabbit line as smaller than a monkey, which monkey being the Great Heartland Holland Company and Carnival, like like your your, your game Heartland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the rabbit line is intended for a smaller deck, and I thought, you know, I, I, I love games that incorporate, like, 54 cards or less, but yet still have meat to them and that you can play them. They have a lot of depth. And so I started thinking, well... Maybe I'll open up this to the design community and see what people can come up with with 54-card decks. And then I had the idea, well, I'll just do them domestically or, or through the printer studio, uh, limit it to 500 uh, you know, copies of the game, and then I'll just box it and send it out myself here without using fulfillment from anybody. I was like, I can handle that. 500 is the minimum order to get a really good, decent uh, cost margin discount from printer studio. Uh, you also get tuck boxes when you order from printer, printer studio that way. And so I just started, you know, marinating the idea. I talked to, you know, bounced it off Daryl Louder and uh, T.C. Petty. And they thought I was kind of crazy at first, but then the more they heard the idea, they was like, okay. So then I came up with the idea, I'm going to put out this as a challenge. Um, I will select an overall winner that will definitely get a publishing contract. And then anybody else who had a good game would probably get that as well. And I thought, well, I'll do it as a three-pack to justify you know, put it on Kickstarter, and so I was, I was going to select a winner and then have two other uh, games beside that winner uh, to be a, a three-pack, and I would do it limited to 500 copies of each game packaged and sent out. So that was the genesis and how the Rabbit Con, the 54-card challenge came about, um, and of course issued that in, was it late October, early November? Yeah, right around that time, with a, with a deadline of everybody having to have their prototype in my hands by January 2nd. 
So that right. We, yeah, quite yeah. Some of the judging went on and, and at Unpub then, and, and that's kind of shortly after that is when you kind of announced the final, the final decisions. Right. Exactly. We we kept playing them as they started coming in, uh, but the the final the finalists were going to be announced before we went to Unpub, which they were. There were only originally going to be six finalists, uh, <laughs> but. We had a hundred initially, one hundred and eight, and then later some more poured in. So a total of one hundred and fifteen contest entries, which wow. was just nuts. Um, yeah, yeah, people really kind of rose to the challenge. That's awesome. Yeah, they really did. And so I, I took, you know, I was like, well, I, I narrowed it down, and finally we had fifteen finalists, and then from that we all played the games and decided who would be the overall winner. So we picked a winner, and then we picked a, um, you know, a runner-up, and then uh, a second runner-up. And the second runner-up ended up being a tie. So okay, yeah. So so your idea of doing this three-pack, it you ended up though with with four games that you picked up from the contest, right? Then there's another two games that you that you picked up at the same time to go with those games. So so what would possess you to to publish <laughs> six games at the same time? Uh, well, yeah, I'm a little bit crazy. I think I'm a little bit crazy. <laughs> they, but I, it goes back to what I kind of learned with doing those back-to-back-to-back Kickstarters. Uh, last year, it, I really wanted to cement the rabbit line and kind of get it out there. And, and I th- kind of embraced the joke of rabbits multiply really quickly. So <laughs> I was like, if I'm going to introduce one rabbit, I might as well introduce six. And the way it turned out is some of the card games that got selected, there were a few or that I signed. Like, for instance, Pie Factor is one of them by Brian Fisher. It's another one of those things where I can I can know that I can leave that in Brian's hands, he's going to do all the graphic design for it. Uh, the testing—he's been working on it for a couple of years, so the testing is really solid with it. There's not a whole lot of development to go into it. Um, the Easy Breezy Travel Agency by J. Alex Cavern is one of them, and he did a great job with the the design for it and the, the core design. So I don't have to do too much uh, to create the art for that. Um, so it's manageable in that. Again, it's it's a card game, so all I have to do is focus on cards. Right. Um, I can farm out uh, bits and pieces of different people. The Brewcrafters Travel Card Game is one of them, and I already have art that I've created and Jackie Davis has created for Brewcrafters, the big game, so I can just repurpose that for the actual card game. Um, so it's all manageable. That's cool. That's a really neat That's a really neat thing. I'm really excited about the line. I got to play uh, both. I got to play Pie Factory at Unpub, and I got to play Easy Breezy Travel Agency, which uh, that was one of my one of my favorite games that I, that I got to see at Unpub. It was just like that's the game that I love. So, um, but I guess I I'd love it if you would kind of give us a quick overview of these six games that are making it into the uh, into the rabbit line. Sure. Well, the overall winner was uh, Matthew O'Malley's Diner, and uh, Diner is sort of a pseudo real time game. And I'm not usually a big fan of real time games, but it has a very interesting mechanic in that. Uh, depending on the number of players in the game, there's one there's action tokens. There's one extra action token than there is number of players. Whenever you take an action, uh, basically the, the core of the game is you're you're working as a, a wait staff in a diner and you're trying to basically fulfill uh, the most orders so you can make the best tips and have the most tips by the end of the day. And uh, in order to take an action, like you know, uh, seat a table into your section so you can serve it, or uh, take um, a dish from the kitchen, you have to pass an action token. So if you don't have any action tokens in front of you, you can't do anything. But every now and then, like, the action tokens might start to pile up in front of you. You can take two or three actions at a time. So it's very fun because it's easy to play. Uh, you're ha- hearing people, like, saying, order up, you know, and, um, you know, uh, 
serve, serve, serve. You know, so people, when they say serve, 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 they're trying to get an action token. You know, so <laughs> if somebody's holding up and not not doing it fast enough, people start, like in a real restaurant, yelling at the other server saying, you know, you pick it up so I could, you know, do my job here. Um, and then when you when you, ha- you order up, you say what it is, like burger, 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 pancakes. You know, it's just a very lively and fun game to not only watch them but play. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like it really captures that that kind of greasy spoon experience. It really does. It's it's uh it, it's definitely it deserves to be the title of the winner of the, of the challenge simply because it appealed to so many different people and it has such a a unique feel to it. It gives you that real time experience without getting heart palpitations and sweaty palms. <laughs> cool. Um. So the second or the first runner up was Easy Breezy Travel Agency uh, from Jayox Cavern. Um, and, uh, like you said, again, has universal appeal. Everybody loved playing it. It has sort of a, you're basically working as a travel agent, um, and these cards come out for different people who have, have four different destinations on them. And that actually, uh, depending on the card that comes out can affect the ticker, uh, which is a, a ticker that, mar- uh, counts down whether people are wanting to, to go more to Chicago, to New Orleans, to Miami and to New York. Um, and as the ticker progresses, each of those destinations could get more and more valuable when you sell a, a, a ticket, so the commission for that. Um, so it's got a it's got a little mini economy working in it. It has a set collection quality to it. it has a pressure luck because sometimes you can take things out of your hand and put them in your waiting area. But if you do, the other person or other players in the game could lure that those waiting customers in your waiting line over to their waiting line and serve them and actually earn the commission off of that. So. Um, it's really cool. It's a beautiful little game. Uh, again, I, that term elegant, I throw around, it was an elegant design. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of fun. Um, two runner ups, two, the second runner ups were Isle of Trains by Dan Keltner and Seth Jaffe and the fittest by Graham Russell. Okay. And the fittest is a social game. It's based upon basically the reality series of survivor. Um, but you're, it's a game from four to six. It's, it's really just a dedicated social game. It's, it's, uh, Mitigated by cards, so there's like challenges that come up. Um, there are some abilities that people can get. It's about hand management as well, but a lot of it's negotiation, and you're trying to go on challenges and get the people who have the best skills that could could uh, get you through that challenge. It's a lot of fun, a lot of kind of backstabbiness. Uh, you know, very. Um, you know, you want to play it with a group that's able to have some fun with each other, playing social, and I get angry about things, but. That one's right up my alley, so that's the one I've been kind of spearheading the development on because, again, it's a social game. Awesome. Uh, and Isle of Trains by Dan Keltner and Seth Jaffe is uh, about, obviously, trains. Uh, it's the heaviest game in all the ones that we've signed because um, it's got a lot of Euro feel, a lot of uh, multi-uses for the cards. Um, one of the unique things about the game is that you can, you're trying to fulfill contracts on this island, um, and but you can only get cards or do special things in the game if you place a resource in someone else's train. So if you put it in one of their box cars, the box car will give you like a special ability, like draw more cards or do something, get a build action for free or something like that. So you're having to weigh the 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 risk versus reward of I'm giving somebody something they can use to fulfill a contract, but it's giving me a, a big boon in return. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's good tension right there. Yeah, it's really it's really cool. And that one, um, I've hired a an artist that I'm really excited to work with called Daniel Gadera. Um, uh, he's does a lot of freelance illustration for magazines and things like that. And it's going to be a really quirky style. Awesome. Yeah. So, how long does that one play? That one goes from around 45 minutes to an hour. It's a little bit more than a yeah. filler. 
Um, cool. You know, it, it can go quicker if you're only playing a two-player, a four-player game will probably last you about 45 minutes. Right on. Um, and then, of course, you mentioned Pie Factory, which these are the other two games that I signed outside of the contest. Brian had, had approached me about Pie Factory a couple of years ago. He's been working on it for a while, and it's finally gotten to a state uh, now that he's limited to the 54 cards that's really good. Um, and then uh, Ben Rossett's Brewcrafters uh, travel card game, which is based upon the giant Brewcrafters game. Uh, it basically distills that essence of that game down to a, a card game, and the cards have multiple uses as well. Really super easy to play. plays about 20 minutes. Um, but again, all of these games, uh, most of them, except for possibly Isle of Trains, definitely fit the filler category. Um, but they're, one thing that I'm being c- uh, careful about mentioning in this and on the Kickstarter campaign is these are not micro games. Right. These are full on, like, they got some meat to them. They're, they're fun to play, easy to pick up and play, but at the same time, they're not this micro game explosion. It's not, it's, it's a 54 card game. There's a lot of depth in designing with 54 cards. Yeah. And this micro game thing is, it's kind of cool to watch, but at the same time you look at the, uh, the 54 card deck of cards and that's like the micro game. I mean, you've put it in your pocket, you take it anywhere you go. Exactly. So, yeah. And uh, that's, that's exactly what I wanted to do with this as well is have a line of games. that's very easy for someone to just basically put in their pocket, take somewhere uh, to a, to a bar or, you know, uh, uh, play after, after church or, or hanging out at a con on the floor. You know I mean? It's just, that's one of those great things about these types of games. I love it. Dude. You're hitting everybody, the bar goers and the church goers. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> Sometimes that's the same people. So it is true. <laughs> so, you know, in our first episode, thank dude, I'm, I'm really excited about this, this rabbit line. Um, and and it's going to be launching on Kickstarter in March. Is what you're shooting for? We're shooting for hopefully March 14th. We'll run it through St. Patty's Day and kind of push the Brewcrafters angle during that time. And then um, uh, that's that's my hope at least is to start March 14th. Cool. That's really that's really exciting. So we'll be watching for that for sure. Um, uh, moving on because we're we're gonna run it a little bit short on time here. Uh, in our first episode, we, we, we really kind of talked about this defining key characteristics of fillers, and we talked about the, a few of the common things that we came up with were the short playtime, easy to teach, uh, an accessible theme. Can, can you think of anything else to add to that list? Like, in your eyes, what makes for a good filler? And just a kind of quick 30-second answer. Uh, this 30-second answer is that I, I feel like it needs to have near-infinite replayability. Awesome. Um, that's what makes a really good filler to me because it's one that you can simply say when you sit down, you're like, okay, well, we've got 20 minutes between games or 30 minutes between games. What do you want to play? Immediately you can, in your mind, think of five games, two of them possibly you have with them that you've brought to game day or five of them you have on your shelf that are immediate go-tos because you know that no matter how many times you play them, you're not going to get tired of them. Yeah. I think that what makes a good filler. Yeah, that's a good point. You don't want to just fill fill up your time and dump it, and that's what makes uh, you know you're going to be able to come back to that over and over again because you already know it. Like it fills your time often because it's it's kind of got that that new experience that every time you play it. Yeah, and it's something that you know that uh, another thing that's good is it kind of goes along with the easy to teach, but it's a game that you could have played a million times, but you could sit down with somebody who may possibly have never played it before, and they could still hold their own. Yeah, that's uh, I good. think that's probably a good filler as well because that means that you're still going to be challenged because you might have played it a few times, but you're going to be able to be challenged because the other person is going to be able to have almost equal footing. Very cool. Yeah, that's that's some really good stuff to kind of add to the list and 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 chew on when we're when we're looking at fillers. There you go. Um, 
All right, so to kind of kind of close up our time here, uh, one of the things we're going to have as a regular feature on the show is called Something Old, Something New. So we're just going to talk about one classic filler game that you love and one newer filler. So can you just share uh, like one one of those favorites of yours uh, that, that, that you would maybe consider a classic and one that's newer that's kind of blown you away as yeah. a recommendation for our listeners? Yeah, probably I would say I, I, I don't really know how to define classic, but I guess it's one that's been around for a few years. And one I think that probably is my favorite filler of all time uh, is No Thanks. Oh, dude, I love that game. It's when I talk about elegant design, No Thanks is the just the ultimate example of that. I mean, you know, only thirty, I think thirty four cards, uh, you know, some and some tokens, and, and that's it. And you can, t- I take it everywhere. Um, it's a yep. perfect bar game. It's a perfect con game. It's perfect in my mind filler because. You know, it's just a set of numbered cards, and you're basically trying to just second guess what the other opponent's going to do. It's kind of a, got a bidding aspect to it, uh, pressure luck. Uh, it's hilarious too because some people, you know, they you try to bluff and say, "Well, I got more tokens than I do," and then you have to end up taking this card that gives you a whole bunch of points at the end of the game. Um, it's just, I think, it, as a classic, I, I don't think anybody should not have no thanks on their uh, on their gaming shelf and in their gaming bag when they go anywhere. Yeah, so good, and it, that's that's one of those kind of things that I that I put out there that like one day I hope to design a game like that. I that know has that kind of power to like stick with people and that elegance. It's it's just beautiful, and and it's just quick, and it just scratches so many of the right edges. Yep, absolutely. All right, so what's your new one? My new one uh, is going to be timeline. Timeline, uh, yeah. Timeline is just, I mean, it's it's so fun now. There are some people who are, are that are detracting a little bit and saying that you know if you if you know history or you know a certain part of whatever your your the, the subject of the timeline that you're playing uh, will give you a little advantage and I say well maybe possibly but I don't think so I mean I I've played it so many times this is the inventions one that I've played the most and I've ordered okay. a couple of the other ones but timeline inventions I've played it with a lot of different game groups, and I know a lot of history. I'm kind of a history buff, and I can kind of place things in certain things. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care how much history you know. It, that game surprises you. Um, you know, you can, <laughs> like the, just like the pressure cooker gets me every time. I've, I had, I've had that card at least 20 times, and I still have to stop and think about, when do I think the pressure cooker might have been invented? <laughs> it's like the 1600s or something. Yeah, it, it's wow. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and it like just the first microwave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it just blows me away. Just the the you know, there's there are certain key events that I know for sure, like the dedication of the Statue of Liberty, the Eiffel Tower, I mean, those, and and Vengeance of Flight, those types of things. But those you have to have those in the game because you have to have certain, you know, uh, keystones of history, or ever it would just com- be completely potluck for the entire game. Right, right. Um, but I think that as far as filler goes, and and it, at least new games that are doing and trying new things. Uh, the timeline series is doing something really fun, and no matter who I, I set it in front of, they have a good time playing that game. Awesome! So you heard it here, you guys. Chris says, "Check out No Thanks and Timeline, and be watching for Dice Hate Me's uh, Rabbit Line launching in March." Absolutely, Chris, Chris. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate you, and excited about all the stuff that you're doing. I appreciate you having me. So people can find you on Twitter. At yep. Dice Hate Me. At Dice Hate Me. You can also do, go to DiceHateMe.com, listen to the State of Games podcast, as well as this one, of course, uh, <laughs> and uh, DiceHateMeGames.com. Awesome. 
Thanks. And we just want to give a shout out to our, our sponsor for our first few episodes, Mark Three Graphic Design, who who did some really cool logo work for us. So uh, cruise on over to Mark3GraphicDesign.com and, and have a look. It is a good it. logo. Yeah, isn't from it one nice? Gra- from one graphic designer to know that is a good logo. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Well, that's, that's the plug. Go check out his site if you need some work done for prototypes or advertising or whatever. So thanks again for tuning in to uh, 20 Minutes of Filler. You can now subscribe to us in iTunes. So please tell your friends, and we'll bring you more content just like this in 20 to 25 minutes. All right. Take care, guys. Bye.